Welcome to No Rain Date, a community podcast about local news and people. No Rain Date is a production of Saucon Source LLC. For more local news and information, please visit SaucinSource.com. Hello, No Rain Date listeners. I'm Josh Popachak, the host of No Rain Date and the publisher of Sock and Source, here with the news roundup for the week ending July 10th, 2021. And it's been another hot week here in Saucon Valley. It's also been a stormy week. We had some severe storms come through on Thursday evening, and one actually brought down a huge tree onto a house on Cedar Road that's in the Mountain View section of Hellertown. A number of the local news outlets covered that. They have photos of the massive tree, which almost totally obscured the house. It was that big. And fortunately, the woman who was home at the time was not injured. I've covered several of these incidents over the years. It's not totally unheard of in Mountain View because the neighborhood is approximately 80 years old and many of the trees are approaching that age. So you combine their massive size with the fact that they're older and it does happen sometimes that a tree that appears perfectly healthy is brought down if there's a strong gust of wind. Sometimes these storms produce straight line winds which are close to tornado force so it's a bit unnerving to say the least the solution certainly is not to take down all the beautiful trees in Mountain View as was suggested in one of those stories but rather to carefully monitor them and maintain them as best as you can no tree maintenance program is a hundred percent perfect but tree care does cost money and that's something that comes with home ownership of course We applaud all of the homeowners in Mountain View who treasure their trees and take such good care of them. The New York Times recently published a story about how much trees contribute not only to the beauty of neighborhoods, but also to property values. And they looked at cities such as Philadelphia, where they compared the neighborhoods of Chestnut Hill with a nice town, Tioga, and there's a huge difference between the tree canopies in those neighborhoods and also the property values. It's tremendous, and that's far from a unique situation. You can look at many towns and cities and see this, and I think Hellertown is a good example because if you look at the most sought-after neighborhood in town, it's Mountain View. That's partly the location because it's very close to the Saucon Valley school district campus and recreational facilities but it's also just a beautiful place to walk it's shady in the summer its identity is tied to the beautiful trees that line the streets there so that's my little take on the trees of mountain view and certainly we hope that they will remain standing strong and tall and if any of them would come down or branches come down we would hope that nobody is hurt but it is storm season as i mentioned so always keep a close eye on the weather and do your best to prepare when you hear that storms are coming it's going to be a few months till we're out of thunderstorm season once again 
We covered a crime story that hit rather close to home this week. It actually affected our neighbors here at Sock and Source. We are located at 656 Main Street, which is in the heart of downtown Hellertown, right across from Wells Fargo. Our next door neighbor to the north is Brad Wagner, who is a well-known attorney in Hellertown and one of our advertisers on Sock and Source, and we're certainly grateful for their support. Brad and his wife Monica also make their home here in downtown Hellertown, and they have a beautiful flower garden behind their home, which I often admire as I'm walking to my office. Somebody, however, the other night was admiring it and admiring it a little too much because they decided to take part of it with them. This happened early Thursday morning at about 1.30 a.m. and the individual, who is a woman but unidentified, was captured on surveillance video. We shared stills from the video in a story that we published and the Hellertown Police Department also shared those photos on their Facebook page as part of an effort to identify this person who walked up through a parking area across a patio that is open to the parking lot and then over to the back porch steps at the Wagner residence and simply lifted up this large flower pot with beautiful showy red flowers. They look kind of like canna lilies and some blue flowers. Not exactly sure what type those were, but it was a Mother's Day present to Monica Wagner, and she was obviously upset. And we're upset, too, because that's not okay to take things that don't belong to you. I think we all know that. Somebody was speculating that perhaps this was somebody that had a vendetta or or something like that. I don't personally think that that theory is the correct one. I think it was more likely probably a crime of opportunity. Somebody maybe had previously seen the flowers and they came over at night thinking nobody was around. I'll pick them up and take them away. And the fact that it was a large planter makes me think that it probably was somebody who lives quite nearby. And that's even more disturbing because nobody wants to think that they're living near a thief. We're going to do our best to find this person and Certainly, we hope that you will read the story, share the story, and help get the word out. It's a small thing, maybe, to some that somebody's flowers were taken, but I think it's symbolic for a lot of us that do we have to have everything outside under lock and key? I mean, that's not practical. It's not the way anybody wants to live their life. You shouldn't have to lock up your rake and your shrubbery and and anything else you know and put alarms on it just to uh, protect it from being stolen that's certainly not the hellertown way and it's not the way that most of us grew up we sympathize with the wagners and we hope that you know our publicity and the police department will eventually uncover the perpetrator of this flower pot theft Another issue which was addressed this week in Hellertown concerns young people riding bikes in the street. It is summer, of course, and that means kids are out of school, they're being kids, they're going to the pool, and they're riding around town on their bikes. Great. No problem. It's good that kids are outside 
and being active and not sitting at home in front of the TV or playing video games. That's all true. However, the issue that was brought before Hellertown Borough Council by Mayor David Heintzelman on Tuesday concerns kids, and they mostly appear to be boys, riding bikes and popping wheelies on them in the street in fairly busy traffic conditions. I was not really clear on the fact that these are little kids. I would say 10, 11, 12. I saw them with my own eyes on Wednesday as I was driving uh, through Hellertown. It was the middle of the day. The kids were clearly coming from the Hellertown pool because they had no shirts on and they had towels around their necks. They had wet hair. They rode out into Water Street across from St. George's at the corner where Borough Authority Park ends and where Rentsheimer Drive meets New York Avenue. New York Avenue turns into Water Street there. And I thought they were simply riding across the street, but they actually rode into the street and then straight down the street as a group with one or two of them popping wheelies right in front of me. I was a little bit horrified because none of them were wearing helmets. And it wouldn't take much to lose control of a bike under those conditions, go down, hit your head, suffer a head injury. I mean, of course, I'm thinking of of this as an adult, but I would hope that their parents are also concerned and, you know, aware of the fact that they are riding in these streets. Another issue, uh, which was also mentioned before Hellertown Borough Council, this was brought up by Corporal Donato, who is sitting in for Hellertown Police Chief Shook. He mentioned the fact that they are riding sort of recklessly across Main Street, and I saw that too, because they did not come to a complete stop at the corner of Water and Main, they sort of slowed down and then just sort of jetted across as a big group. And there were probably eight or nine in this, you know, group of bicyclists. And then they kept going straight down Water Street and I think turned on to Front Street. But there was a lot of traffic at that time. It, it occurred to me that they could have, you know, been hit. I don't want to see a tragedy happen. So if one of these kids is yours or you know somebody that I'm describing, you know, maybe have a conversation with them. Nobody should be in trouble and kids are going to be kids, but I think there are are safer routes for them. And certainly the wheelies in the street, it's not a good idea. If you want to practice them, go to maybe a, a park, or, you know, somebody's yard, even a parking lot, just about anywhere is safer than Water Street in the middle of the day. So we just want everybody to be safe. At that same meeting, there was a pretty big announcement regarding a local elected official, longtime Hellertown Borough Councilman Philip Weber, resigned effective immediately his seat on Hellertown Borough Council. Councilman Weber was also a longtime member of the Planning Commission. He also resigned his seat from the Planning Commission due to health concerns. We wish him better health, and certainly we're keeping his family in our thoughts at this time. Phil, I've known for at least 15 years, and he's been on council for the better part of 20 years. I actually went on newspapers.com to look up some of the old stories because he's been on council longer than I've been covering Hellertown. 
I think he was first elected in 2000 and has been a very active voice and presence in the borough ever since then. As Mayor Heinzman pointed out, Phil has also been an active volunteer. He's participated in many Hellertown Borough initiatives like music in the park, volunteering at the pavilion. He was very active as a volunteer firefighter for Dewey Fire Company for many years and also in youth sports as a coach. So people that give back like this are not a dime a dozen and we you know, should all appreciate Phil and the service he's given to the community over this period of time. It's a lot of hours, thousands of hours. Yes, you are paid something as a Hellertown Borough Council member, but it's a nominal amount. It does not (laughs) equate to the sacrifices that you make and the amount of time that you put into it. So we're certainly sorry that, you know, Phil was not able to serve out the remainder of his term which is actually through the end of 2023. He was last elected in November 2019. So due to the vacancy, Hellertown Borough Council must now appoint somebody to replace Phil through the end of this year. And then I guess another appointment would be made next year, or else a special election will be held for a two-year term. I'm not entirely clear on, on which is going to happen, but... The appointment will be through the end of December. Applications are being accepted at Borough Hall. I believe you would address this to Hellertown Borough Manager, Kathy Hartraft, her email address, as well as council's email addresses and the mayor's are on the borough website, hellertownborough.org. We also have information in our story on Sock and Source. Basically, to apply to be on council, All you need is to be at least 18 years old, you must be a resident of the borough of Hellertown, and you must be registered to vote. But it doesn't matter what party you're registered to or whether you're unaffiliated. Council is set to review the letters of interest from applicants and then question them at their August 2nd meeting, which will be Monday. It's at 7 p.m. Hellertown Borough Hall. So this is a a pretty fast-moving process. If you're thinking about applying, you'll want to do that as soon as possible. We followed up on our story about Councilman Weber's resignation with an op-ed by our friend Bill Brune about Hellertown Borough Council. Incidentally, Bill is also a former candidate for Borough Council. However, he has not served on council. I think he raised some interesting points in his commentary which was about the makeup of Borough Council, which for several years has been entirely male and entirely white. There have been women who have served on Hellertown Borough Council in the past. I know of at least three, and there's probably been more than that, but I'm only going back for the last 15 years. Jenny McKenna, Jane Ballum, and Gail Knopf are the three that I'm familiar with. As far as ethnic minorities, I do not know of any that have served on Hellertown Borough Council in the past. I would guess that there haven't been any that could change with the election this year or could change even before the election, depending on who applies to fill this vacancy. The real point that Bill was making was that, you know, 
if council is all male and all white, it's not reflective of the diversity of the community. I just uh, shared this on Facebook and the first comment I received was regarding identity politics and that we shouldn't be putting identity you know, before qualifications. The best qualified people should be selected for the job. In theory, that's true. In a perfect world, that would happen. We don't live in a perfect world. The reality is that people who are minorities or women don't feel comfortable in the first place applying for a position when they don't see somebody like themselves in that role. It's kind of a glass wall. And so the the idea that we currently have, you know, all of the best qualified people applying, I think is a fallacy. And not just in Hellertown. I think that's in many places. But you do see a big contrast between some place like Hellertown and the city of Bethlehem, which is right next door. As of the end of this year, they're going to have a majority female council for the first time. And I think it's going to be five or six out of seven members that are women. So that's a huge change. Lower Saucon has three of five council members who are female. And Hellertown is doing its thing, certainly not suggesting that anybody who's serving currently isn't doing a a good job or, you know, is somehow unqualified. But I think that there are a lot of people in this community who don't fit that mold. They're not men. They're not white and would do a great job and, and maybe don't feel comfortable applying because they haven't seen you know somebody like themselves uh, reflected in terms of Hellertown politics in the past. I think it's good to have a conversation about this and to be respectful about it, of course, which is why I'm very curious to see you know what additional comments will appear on this post. Facebook being Facebook, I think uh, I will see a, a wide variety of commentary on it and that's fine. I want people to express their honest opinion as long as they're respectful about it. And if they they think this is an example of identity politics, then they can certainly make that argument. But I don't think that was Bill's intention with the column. And I certainly think his heart is in the right place in terms of Hellertown. He lives here too. And, you know, he wants good representation on council. We all do. So I would encourage you to read that column if you haven't and and give it some thought. These issues are affecting people in, you know, small towns, big cities across America right now. America is at a crossroads. I know that's a cliche, but I really believe it is. And a lot of that has to do with the changing demographics of our country. Things are not going to stay the same. So uh, we can bury our head in the sand or we can embrace change and, and I think live happier, more productive lives. Out of Fountain Hill, we had a story this week about the pool and it's not a bad thing. Fountain Hill did recently open its pool for the summer. I applaud them for doing that. They have a difficult situation with staffing, but they're managing to open the pool every day so far. Uh, Councilwoman Jamie Johnson is doing double duty as a pool lifeguard 
at the age of 45, she went back and was recertified. I believe she was a lifeguard in, in her teenage years. And she is now a sort of a second generation lifeguard. <laughs> and she's posted about that on her Facebook page. She's She's been, you know, a good sport about it. And, and I really think it's awesome that she's going above and beyond like that. It's a great example of a true public servant. At any rate, she posted the other day about the pool rules and the fact that they have not been enforced, at least consistently in recent years, and they are going to be enforcing them consistently now. Those include things like not wearing street clothes in the pool, i.e. in the water. You know, you can't wear, you know, cut-off jean shorts and a crop top over your bathing suit and just go into the water. You would think that would be common sense, but apparently people were doing that. That was just one example of a rule she cited that was not being followed and perhaps was not being enforced until this year. We do list all the rules in our story, which Johnny wrote. Something else that was discussed at the borough council meeting July 6th was that the snack stand at the Fountain Hill Pool is likely to reopen. They just have to get a passing inspection from the health department, and then uh, you'll be able to purchase some delicious snacks, which as we all know, you need uh, for energy. When you're spending the day at the pool, they're going to have a lot of standard fare, like chicken fingers and fries, but they're also going to have a crab stuffed soft pretzel. So I might have to put on the swimsuit just to go be able to try that. In Hellertown events, The Dewey Carnival opens on Tuesday, July 13th. I know a lot of people are looking forward to that after 2020 when the carnival was canceled due to the coronavirus pandemic. The carnival is held on Dimmick Park property right next to the fire company, which is on Durham Street. It's open, I believe, from 6 to 10 nightly from July 13th through July 17th and there will be food, rides, there's going to be a car show one night. We'll be sharing our stories about the carnival and of course we'll be covering it, getting photos to share with you. So mark your calendars for that. Hopefully we'll have good weather and hopefully I will see you there and have a great week everyone. Here at Sock and Source, our mission is to provide information and make it as available as possible to the people in our community. A large part of that is a public service, and we're grateful for the support we have from local advertisers because that revenue helps keep the information flowing to you, our readers and listeners. Local news production does cost money, and that's why we've also introduced a voluntary membership option on Sock and Source, and we'd like to tell you a little more about that. Essentially, the membership is a recurring monthly contribution that shows your support for the work that we're doing. It helps guarantee that the information will remain free and accessible to you as well as to others in our community, and it also helps fund our future growth. Sock and Source is growing and we're expanding our coverage area. The more support we receive from the community, the better coverage we can provide and the more useful the site will be to you. So that's why we would invite you to visit our membership page on the website sockandsource.com. You can do that by clicking on join under my sock and source 
which you'll see on the right side of your screen if you're on a desktop, or at the bottom of any article page. You'll see several membership options, including a monthly membership for $7, a four-month membership for $25, or a yearly membership for $70. These are strictly voluntary contribution levels and they're not any part of a paywall. There's no requirement to contribute, but we are grateful for those who have already done so and we hope that you will consider purchasing a membership in the future. Doing so is quick and easy. You can do it securely online and you can cancel at any time. Thank you again to all our current members and thank you for considering becoming a future member. It's my pleasure this week on No Rain Date to welcome a friend and somebody I've known for a number of years and really watched her blossom professionally and go from strength to strength, Tiffany Sondergaard, who is the founder and owner of TSPR and event planning, as well as an experienced public relations liaison and event planning specialist. Welcome. Thank you, Josh. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, like I said, we've known each other for a, at least a few years now. At least. I'm trying to remember how we first met. Um, Steel Club, always. That's right. Steel Club. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So much has happened in the years since then. So I know, I know, I know, I know. Yes. I think that's partly, yeah, it, it seems like 10 years ago, but I know it wasn't. It really does. Steel Club only right? opened like four years ago, I think. So Steel Club and then Durham Springs and then, yeah. Durham yes. Springs. Yes. Two of my favorite and two of the most beautiful Venues, yes. yes, absolutely. They were, they were definitely two of the places that I, you know, and I still, still have events at both of those places because they're just beautiful. How can you not offer them to your event clients? You know. Yes, yes, and if you're in the Saucon Valley, they're mighty convenient too. So absolutely, that's that's nice. <laughs> absolutely. But you are a busy lady these days with your own company, and that's what I want to focus on. But first, I kind of wanted to talk about your background, your story, and how you first became interested in PR work, and how does somebody even, you know, sort of train for that? It seems like it's more experience-based in a lot of cases than something you would learn at school or, right. per, or personality driven too. It is. It, I mean, it's, it's all of that. It's everything you just said. You hit the nail on the head. The reason why I actually ended up in PR was because of my internship. But before that, you know, I'm a graduate of the communications program at Bloomsburg University. Okay. And there I, you know, kind of just, it, they encourage you to try all of the different sectors. Right. So I was writing for the newspaper. I had a radio show. I did the television news program for the campus, which, by the way, I probably was the worst anchor there at Bloomsburg. <laughs> My Are we going to find like, some bootleg left, tapes? I was determined to be better in front of the camera. And after that, I was. <laughs> But yeah, so that's how I started off and everything. And then realized that, you know, obviously at that point, I didn't really want to be in front of the camera. I realized that writing was a strength of mine, but I never didn't necessarily want to run after the news stories. Mm -hmm. I figured out that I wanted to create them. And so 
my director helped me get an internship in New York at Ruder Finn, which is one of the agencies that helps and handles all of the top New York Times bestselling authors. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was great. And they, it was kind of funny. They kind of just threw me in. I remember my very first client or project, I shall say, as an intern, right? One week in New York City, I'm an intern, and I get my first project, and it is Julie Morgenstern, um, mm-hmm. organizing from the inside out. I, I will never forget it. I, it just flows. And so she was my first client. And I booked a radio morning drive tour for her as well as a satellite media tour for her, right? So she did, you know, 10 radio stations back to back all over the U.S., followed by 10 TV stations back to back. And I guess it was something that interns didn't normally do Hmm. because the next thing I know, I was (laughs) all of a sudden I had like a whole roster of authors that I was booking, but yet I was an intern. It was, it was Mm. funny. My second thin author was Danny Seo. Danny Seo, who now has his own television show, his own magazine. We were actually able to get him on Oprah. Wow. Back then. Yes. Yes. Which launched my career from there. There. He actually did my very first child's baby shower. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah, so that was fun. But yeah, so that's that's kind of where I started there. And I, I don't know, I kind of just went off. I was talking, which I should probably ask what was the question. I can keep going. <laughs> no, no, I, I love hearing about that. I mean, that sounds glamorous, but also really intense, you know, especially it as an intern. It was. It was very intense. I mean, I remember that was the start of me being like, okay, I was, you know, I was in New York City, you know, young, fresh out of college. But I literally had the responsibilities at this agency as a regular account executive. And it was just because I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to have those capabilities yet, that that was something that you grow into. You know, it's like you ever hear those people that don't don't ever hear the word no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I was like I was one of those people that just I didn't realize this wasn't how it was supposed to be, that that was an anomaly. I just thought, okay. Oh, this is who I call. This is who I'm pitching. And I just did it, you know, and that's how media relations became one of my strengths. Mm -hmm. I just wasn't scared to pitch. I wasn't scared to pick up the phone. I wasn't scared where a lot of I remember my roommates had me pitch their clients. You know, it's just it was one of those things. I didn't know that it was an odd thing. Well, that's a huge I mean, working in the media myself, I can tell you it's a huge asset to be able to know how to pitch to the media because not every PR person does plenty don't and right that results in missed opportunities you know for your clients obviously absolutely so yeah we appreciate the fact that you understand where we're coming from right yeah yeah I mean I took the time definitely when it came to like booking the radio tours and the satellite media tours, I actually took the time to figure out, you know, the patterns of the stations and Mm -hmm. the timing of their interviews. Right. So it was like it was almost like fitting in the pieces of a puzzle. You know, I knew that on Tuesdays, 
such and such radio station in Dallas did interview author interviews at 715 or, you know, Atlanta. I had a TV station and they really liked the time slot of 6 a.m. And Mm -hmm. so I just would watch the patterns. And when my clients came around or when they were in town or whatever it was I was scheduling, I just matched it up. It was like pieces of a puzzle to where all I had to do was just leave a message. Hey, it's Tiff. I've got this person. Do you still have, you know, 710 on next Thursday available? Because if so, I have an author for you, you know, like Mm -hmm. that. And it just made everything easy and just kind of fit into place. But I watched the patterns, you know, I watched and and paid attention to to my media to see how they worked and what their, you know, time slots were, how their what their scheduling was. Right. I mean, I get that. But that sounds not, that, that does not sound easy to me because just because the U.S. radio market is huge. It's you, huge. Right. And it's it's segmented and, and there's differences regionally. And, you, you know, it's a lot to know, I would think. Absolutely. So it is. You're you're in New York. You're young. I'm in New York. You're you're owning, you know, the, the, the lifestyle. You're I mean, you're, you're working your way up in PR. I mean. Did you want to like stay in New York at that point? Was that your goal? Oh, oh my goodness, yes. I thought I'd never leave. <laughs> <laughs> it's Listen, exciting. I'm only here in PA because uh, a gentleman by the name of Tom Sondergaard swept me away. <laughs> but if it wasn't for falling in love, I'd still be in New York. I see. So is Tom originally from the Lehigh Valley then? Or... He is from the Poconos. The Poconos, so, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, New York's loss is Tom's gain. <laughs> <laughs> however that, however that's phrased. Um, right. Is his gain. That's right. awesome. Yeah. New York uh, missed out. But it is easier to sort of raise a family here, too, I would think. Absolutely. And that's important to you. Absolutely. And I mean, we've traveled back and forth for many years before I eventually just let New York go. But he's not a New Yorker. He doesn't <laughs> seem like not it. a New Yorker. No, no. He's well, a month ago at Honors and Hors d'oeuvres, you know, you were presenting, of course, one of the awards. You presented the award to Heinzman Funeral Home. Yes. And, and I was sitting with you and Tom and Tom is just that photo of him, like, like looking <laughs> pensive is how I captioned it. And I think if you looked up the word pensive, his right. picture, that picture would be there. Right. <laughs> um, Absolutely. He's not the, the kind of walk in and, you know, own the room and on all that. But no, no, I guess he has me for that. <laughs> you guys balance <laughs> each other really well, though, I think so. Yes, yes, yes. But yeah, so then, you know, so after that, after, you know, dealing with authors, I actually was recruited for Lippy Taylor. Mm-hmm. And that's when I switched over to beauty, beauty PR, mm-hmm. handled, you know, Bath and Body Works and Biore and, you know, spas and the Hamptons and celebrity dentists, Dr. Rosenthal, I remember him. Celebrity dentist and, you know, on and on and on. Celebrity makeup artist, all of that. But that's where I actually started kind of merging corporate branding with product launches. 
Mm-hmm. which is how eventually then we'll turn into PR and event planning when I get here to the Lehigh Valley. I but see. that's where it started. So, you know, for Bath and Body Works, it was like I launched all of their new hair care lines and makeup collections. And, you know, and that's when I had to find spokespeople, you know, new makeup artists to represent these makeup collections or representatives or actors or actresses to talk about the hair care lines, which they don't have anymore at Bath and Body Works, but, you know, that type of thing. And so it kind of all started my path of corporate brand management, but with some type of launch component to it. That's when I realized how much I love to launch products. And I want to stop you right there because I want to kind of focus in on that a little bit, the launch. Like, what does that entail? Because, you know, obviously you have to alert the media, you know, to a new product and you have to line up endorsements and that type of thing. But yes, I mean, there's a lot of background work. Absolutely. Launch, and I don't think the average person has any idea, you know, what goes into that. Right. Oh, absolutely. They don't. And so there's a whole, you know, when you launch a product, I mean, there's almost six months to a year of work that happens hmm. be- way before you even get the first, you know, media hit or first glimpse of there's this new product coming out. You know, you have to do your test groups, you change, you know, your SKUs, you change the look, you do your focus groups, all of that. And, you know, you have publicists and marketing people in those rooms to help guide and collect information from that. You know, and then you do test screenings for your commercials, you know, your advertising, all of that. Then you have to write it. I mean, I know that (laughs) it's funny if I go into Bath and Body Works now, a lot of the descriptions of the lotions and the washes and also for like Bumble and Bumble on the back, like Bumble Bumble. I remember their Surf's Up was one of their really popular brands. And well, our team wrote that, you know, I know that I could go and look at some of those products and on the back and I'm like, oh, I remember writing that, you know, (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know, or even toy products. Like I remember we did this, we worked for GC. We had this, I won't say the name, we had this toy product and we did myself and Jennifer Newman, who was great, Jennifer Newman. I worked with her for years. She had her own agency too and had brought me in for a while and we did, New York Toy Fair, you know, which is at Javits Center every year. Mm -hmm. And I just remember being, you know, sitting, me and her sitting there at 10 o'clock at night with these product lines and being like, okay, you do this one. And it was, we were, have to write the warnings on them. Like, okay, what do you think? Children over three probably shouldn't put this in there. (laughs) Like, there's too many small parts, you know, and then we'd obviously have to get it approved by, you know, the manufacturer. But it would start with, you know, that stuff didn't just happen. It started with people like us sitting there and just just using our common sense and being like, okay, kids, you know, kids this age probably shouldn't play with this because this part can fall off or that part or or whatever. And but writing the copy so it wasn't offensive. Right, right. Yeah, I love those those warnings like choking hazard and then underneath, do not eat, you know, like I Right. Mean, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. Well and, exactly. And that's another point you brought up. I mean, at least before COVID, I'm sure that the trade shows and that type of thing was a big part of it because that's where people go to look for the new 
the next big thing kind of, right? Right. Absolutely. So that was great. So I remember, you know, the trade shows were great, especially New York Toy Fair, Mm -hmm. because we were able to get involved which then was a whole nother component that launched us into another area of PR because what would happen is the toys, you know, like I remember it was, you know, late 90s, early 2000s was when it was like every TV show then did a doll line. It was like Star Trek. Then you have the Star Trek dolls, Dark Angel, you know, with Jessica Alba, Gene Simmons and Kiss and the Care Bears and Britney Spears and NSYNC. Well, when I was at Jen Van, Jennifer Newman, we helped launch all of those products at Toy Fair. So then here I go again, media tours and interviews for the spokespeople. So for the Britneys and the Jessica Albas and the, you know, and oh, and the Cat in the Hat representatives and, you know, Vern Troyer, who was representing Micropets at the time. And which is an interesting story about having him sign something saying that he was not going to venture out to how can I call them? Certain kinds of clubs while he was in town and representing a toy company. It just, yeah. So, you know, it was, um, so at that point, then we learned and were introduced to working with the movie houses and, you know, the movie publicists and the cinema publicists and film and, and all of that because we had to coordinate with all of them. And, and we all had to decide on the key messages and what was going to be said about these products congruently over the course of, you know, this week at Toy Fair. So, so were you, I'm glad I was young. I think back now when I'm talking about it, I'm like, gosh, this sounds exhausting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and late nineties, I mean, late night, you were working in the late nineties or. Yeah. I yeah. Late nineties, early 2000. That's when all that, I remember, you know, if I look back, I think what, like the cat in the hat, dark angel, cause all of those lines were like 2003. Yeah. I want to say right before 9/11. Right. right? Well, 9/11 was 2001. Right. So, yeah, around around that time. It was a different time. For, it was real. a different time. I was looking at old photos the other day and I'm like, I miss the late 90s. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could also Oh my gosh, I just dated myself, didn't I? But yeah, I mean, that's also when you can get a flight to Boston for like $50 or Florida or or go to California for like a hundred bucks. And at the last minute, yeah, cheap last minute mm-hmm. travel, and yeah, we didn't didn't think that would ever end. Oops. Right. <laughs> but yeah, obviously things have have evolved a lot, and COVID. I mean, I definitely want to talk to you about that, like because that totally eliminated in person events for a while. And, right. you know, how much can you do online in terms of what you do? I mean, you found out, I guess, over the past year right. what, what worked and what didn't. But but how how difficult was that to adapt? I mean, it actually, you know, obviously it was a hard time, you know, for everyone. But for my company, it actually transitioned into more PR clients, Mm -hmm. which was good for me at the time, you know, PR clients, I was able to sit down and strategize for them. You know, like I said, a lot with the internet radios and then the, the people like the, like my gray strong client with trembling EMT, Mm -hmm. you know, Eric and, you know, him working with, you know, Parkinson's and, and all of that. We were, we did a virtual event for him, but in the meantime, we were able to sort of apply for grants, and which is a very long process. 
which is another thing, you know, some of these, like we wear so many hats, right? Some people actually hire people who are trained in filling out forms, you know, for grants because it's a long Mm -hmm. process. It's a lot of material. It's a lot of strategy that you have to put down and what you plan to do and how you're going to use the money and how you're going to promote it and, you know, and all of this. And it actually, you know, those were other things that I was able to take on during that time for some of my clients. So, I mean, it just was a time to just sort of sit and regroup on and honestly work on some things that needed to be done that you hadn't gotten to because you were moving and grooving too much. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, you do a multiple, a multitude of things. So that makes sense. I can't imagine, though, that like somebody who was just a wedding planner or something, that must have been tough because, I mean, nobody right. was getting married for like months and months and dates kept getting Absolutely. pushed back. And, you know, I, I think probably those people had to really come up with some new ideas fast. Well, I mean, and that's where the, you know, I don't want to say it, but that's where the pivot comes in or the reinvention. You know, some people reinvented themselves, you know, Mm -hmm. photographers did other things, you know, learn how to do the touchless photography methods. And Mm -hmm. I know other vendors in the wedding industry ventured out to do other things. Right. Yeah, you had to. You had to find something else. You had to sort of reinvent yourself. Right. And a lot of people actually, and this was another point of sort of revenue for me during these last couple of years, I could say, or year and a half was everyone (laughs) decided social media was very important. So we had time to kind of sit back and look at people's social media as well, companies or or clients and and sort of revamp it and use that to rebrand themselves for 2020. It was very important, but it was also incredibly difficult to navigate in some mm-hmm. cases because I'm thinking, especially of like the restaurants, it seemed like no matter what they did, it, it wasn't the right thing. You know, you, you. Yeah, the restaurants really, really took the brunt of a lot of the unsettlement in 2020, I feel like. They definitely got, got hit, you know, got hit really hard, and we all know that. And, I th- and they're still feeling it. You know, I think the restaurants are still feeling the repercussions from 2020. You know, they're still short staffed and still trying to get everything back together a little bit, you know. And so we're all kind. We're all kind when we're going to restaurants right now. You know, yes, things are going to take a little longer. Things may not, you know, may not be fully the way that they used to be when you were there, but we'll get there. They'll get there. Yeah, no, that's a great point and one that can't be stressed enough. I know I see posts about that on social media, you know, people losing losing patience and, and it is a good reminder and, you know, definitely be generous when you're tipping your, your servers because they're working Absolutely. even harder and they haven't had an easy year, you know, an easy past year. So definitely not. You know, and there's people, there's people in the kitchen that are new to the industry. There's people on the floor that are new to the industry. Do you do like consulting like work? Like say I'm a small restaurant and I'm having problems with my social media, you know, presence, you know, I want to. Like, actually, that it. was one of my, that's how I started, you know, actually Durham Springs, when I first started speaking with them, they were, they were a TS client on a consultant basis. 
to help with some of the things that were going on with their restaurant and to help with their, you know, corporate sales for, for their events. You know, that place was, it's just, it had, it was a huge venue with a lot of moving parts. Mm -hmm. And so they brought in a couple of consultants and I was one of them. Right. And it is something that I still do. But like I said, like I said, well, I'm, unless it's an event, I usually don't talk about who my clients are. No. And I, and I wouldn't, wouldn't ask you to, although if you do drop a name, I'll be all ears, but, <laughs> but yeah, no, but I, you can usually figure it out if you pay attention long enough. Right. Right. Of course. And in this area too, it's not, it's not New York where there's like 10,000 restaurants or something. Right. Um, right. Especially good ones. No, I'm just kidding. Yes. Especially good ones. But no, we have a lot of, we have a lot of great ones and I'm just thinking about that because I know, you know, you do have clients that are sort of, well, that are like on retainer and, and you, Correct. you work for them on an ongoing basis. What other, you know, types of arrangements are available? So, you know, like we said, my services range. So if it's, you know, corporate branding and ongoing services in that realm where it's just sort of like, you know, I strategize for the brands seasonally upcoming, you know, brand awareness, brand management, sort of make sure that everything is in line while also handling media relations, right? So making mm -hmm. sure that you do have press releases going out that you are positioned as an expert in a specific part of your sector in the market. And then there's also, you know, if they have product launches or fundraising events or other things of that sort. But I do project bases as well. So like, you know, I have some contracts, especially with my music clients, you know, that are just, you know, three months or six month contracts to help them launch a album or a song or a particular time. I call it mm -hmm. seasonal. What's going on? You, you know, maybe a song that they wrote is relevant for a certain season. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we do a three month or a six month and kind of see what we can do there. And that that will include a lot in that three or six months, you know, whether it's branding helping them set up a website, helping them determine product to put on that website while also mm. getting media relations. There's just so much, so many different things that I do. It's almost a matter of, you know, I just ha I have a conversation about what needs to, you know, what it is you're looking for. And I tell you what parts I can or cannot do. Mm -hmm. Do people always like contact you far enough in advance? To... Nope, <laughs> definitely not. No, Josh, that would make it too easy, wouldn't it? <laughs> no, no. I mean, you know, I think that's what happens a lot is that, you know, by the time people realize, you know what, I think I need to bring in someone else. Uh -huh. You're already a little bit past the point of no return. And at that point, I'll be honest, at, you know, at that point, it's a crisis PR Mm -hmm. sort of project, but you still bring in that consultant to help manage that, to help make sure it doesn't blow up, you know, to help manage bringing it back to sort of a working level. Right. Where, you know, you don't, you know, you would hope not lose your business or not lose, you know, major contracts with other businesses or things of that sort. You know, you want to kind of manage it to 
how soften the blow and sort of bring it back to <laughs> to a managing managing level. Right. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of a universal thing where people don't realize the timeline that that is necessary for things to for information to disseminate for one thing cuz Right. I get last minute, you know, things all the time like I'm Right. You know, hosting a you know free concert tomorrow you know can you help me promote it well yeah yeah but nobody's gonna see it you know in the 12 hours that we have like i mean <laughs> right so but and it's like it's also like well and i also have other clients so right. yeah <laughs> so it's like, i can't drop everything. i do have i already do have a list of things to do today so Okay, I could. I guess I could not sleep and add you to the bottom of it, but you know, now I know. I know what you mean. Yeah, you know. But you just, you man. I always manage everyone's, you know, my clients' expectations, you know, mm-hmm. and usually with it like that with a joke. But I'm only one person. I do. I oh, this is interesting. I actually just hired an assistant last week, Ooh. or was it two weeks ago? So I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm growing. That's awesome. Who and, and after one week with me said, you know what? I think we need an intern. And I was like, really? <laughs> Is it like that? <laughs> so I was like, okay. So hopefully we're a team of three soon. Yeah. No, I I can relate to that too. I I need an intern or some somebody. Right? Just something, something, someone, right? Somewhere. Right. Or even it's like, okay, just someone to, you know, at least handle the administrative part. Yeah, correspondence and, mm-hmm. and things like that can be a huge time suck. It's, it's hard to come up with the big ideas when you're bogged down in the details. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So let's talk about, you know, some things that have sort of been trending in the you know, media world, like, including social media recently, one is the the whole topic of cancel culture, you know, and how right. and how that can be applied, not only to brands, but individuals in many cases. And we see Absolutely. that happening with with celebrities. And it's, I don't, I don't know that it's a new phenomenon, really, but it seems like it's it's gotten a lot bigger and it's a problem because you know you want people to be honest and you want the brand to be honest i guess but you're under pressure at the same time to sort of you know please everybody and right what is your take on on that okay so obviously i think that you can only work in truths right so you have to be true to yourself and true to what your your beliefs and what you're working on you know i always think that if we're talking okay so there's the whole cancel culture when it comes to individuals that do specific things well that's a personality trait that's Mm -hmm. something that's ingrained within themselves that whether it's you know an illusion or a disbelief or a I can't think of the word that I wanted to say, a stereotype that applies to individual thoughts. But when it comes to brands and corporations, well, you know, that's why you have to have a diverse teams, 
Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I know that I had an instance before with a toy company whose commercials all had blonde haired, blue eyed children in them. And, you know, thank goodness they had a PR marketing team that was able to say, we need to switch this up a little bit. We're not saying that there has to be, you know, a black child in there, but we're just saying that all the kids cannot be blonde and blue eyed. Not every single one, you know, not that I have anything against the, here we go, right? Where it's like, okay, oh no, right. nothing against blonde blue eyes. I'm just saying a little diversity in that, but that's what I mean, you know? So when it comes to brands and corporations, it is very easy if all the people in the room come from all of the same backgrounds and have all of the same similar experiences because then it's very easy to then put something out that would offend right or or exclude not on purpose it's just you know in this day and age it's our responsibility to make sure that we have diverse teams oh absolutely i mean i don't even understand how you know the commercials you were referencing would get that far be produced right you know with isn't that right and nobody raised any you know alarm bells you know until it hit you know that that level right but it does it happens and it still happens today for corporations or companies that have have not made sure that they have diverse teams throughout their systems you know so You know, that's why some people have to hire outside agencies, outside PR people or outside marketing teams, because we'll let you know. Right. (laughs) We'll let you know what you may have missed. So that's our job. One example, you know, that we can mention, and you you highlighted this article for me, was about Michael B. Jordan who came under fire for promoting a brand of rum with an association with, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce this right, Jouvet, Jouvert? Right. I'm Yes, I'm not quite sure either how to, but it definitely, it was traditional Caribbean, mm-hmm. you know, and so they were referencing it and had symbolism and logos and culture appropriation, so right. to speak, the Caribbean festivals. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was it actually received a lot of flack. TMZ was one of the first to report on it. And thankfully, I mean, and that's what social media is for. You know, social media is going to be quick to call you out. So, you know, whoever is part was part of this team, you know, <laughs> you know, didn't catch that. And so. So, yeah. So they they've, they're going back to the drawing board for this rum. <laughs> yeah, um, that's a costly Going back to the drawing board, though, I would it imagine. It is. It really, really Financially is. Financially and in other ways, if they had hired, you know, TS before they, you know, went down that road, they wouldn't there you go. have all that money. But, but yeah, I mean, like, that's that's just one of countless examples. And that isn't even, you know, I mean, there are way worse examples of Absolutely. cultural misappropriation than that. But that just, I think it does illustrate like how how i know how sensitive how it it really is it's it's a very sensitive community i guess mm-hmm. i can say another example that comes to mind is is pride month i mean a couple years ago you did not really see any brands celebrating that like this right. year everything is rainbow flag if you're online you know and right. to me it almost 
feels patronizing, you know, in to some degree. Like right. We're we're I'm, we're part of the, you know, we're an ally, you know, but what what are, what else are you doing besides, you know, turning your logo rainbow colors? Really, you know? Like I know. So <laughs> I know what you mean. Like, what else have you done? Or, you know, where were you before type of a thing, you know, which actually you want to say that people can change and, and all of that. And that's why I say is when it when it goes to individual, you know, that's something that I really can't. That's that's an individual thing and personality traits that oh, I really, yeah. you know, I don't think any of us can really you know, obviously, you know what to stay away from. Okay, if those are your thoughts, then obviously, we're not compatible. But, mm -hmm. you know, where I come in is more of a branding or a corporation thing, or right. I, I can't, you know, and that we can help that we can help you with. You know, personal stereotypes or thoughts or something that is you're you're on your own. That's something that we can hope that you can change. <laughs> right. Well, how often do we see where it's like an athlete and it's a tweet or a retweet? You know, and it becomes a huge news story, you know, just right. because they're, you know, even if you're just retweeting something, it's seen as an endorsement of whatever, right. whatever that is, that idea, that belief system. You know, a lot of these athletes, I mean, if I were managing their PR, I would be cutting them off from Twitter before they even got started. With it. I mean, it's, you know, that's why a lot, <laughs> a lot of. I would say celebrities, their social media is managed by someone else, right? by their team. And that's why. Yeah. So that they can keep it easy breezy. You know, let's talk about what they're wearing, where they've been, what they're eating. Right. Let's do that. You know, let's not get political. Let's not, you know, what do they say? Don't talk politics, religion. And sex. And sex. <laughs> yeah. It's still good advice, and that's been around yeah. for a long time. But people, social media, I think, f fuels forgetfulness of those rules because it's designed to provoke. It's designed to provoke a reaction from people, and it's very easy to get carried away with it. So that's good, though, for you because it means more job security. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, as you know, I do hope that, you know, my clients wouldn't be getting into those situations. But yes, if they need management of their social media, that, you know, we're here for that. I mean, yes. how, it must be a little hard for you being in the media. I mean, you're like, you know, do I cover it? Do I not cover it? That's got to be hard. Right. I mean, there are always editorial decisions to be made and somebody is, you know, going to be happy with them and somebody is going to be unhappy with them in some cases it's not always black and white so yeah I try and I try and manage people's expectations though with what I do I find that's more important than ever and I, I mean in, in the past I did manage other social media accounts for other businesses I'll be honest it got a lot harder especially yes. in 2020 that most definitely I was already moving away from doing some of that because I wanted to focus, of course, on Sock and Source and, you know, my own brand and reporting the news. But that kind of accelerated that movement away from that. And of course, 
I think it's better in, in a lot of cases if you can do it in-house, depending. It- Handle your social media and how, you know, that's interesting that you said that because I had, I did have someone call me a few, you know, maybe a month or two ago interested in just social media management. And I actually <laughs> took 20 minutes to a half hour to tell her all the ways that she could just do it herself. Mm-hmm. Because my point at that time was, unless I'm handling all of your messaging, at that point in time, a couple of months ago, it wasn't in my best interest to only handle your social media. Unless I right. know your sort of corporate integrity and branding integrity of your whole brand and everything else that you were doing, at that time, it wouldn't have been in my best interest to only handle someone's social media. I needed to have a little bit more say in the culture of their brand and the integrity of their brand because at that time, social media was blowing up. Mm -hmm. That totally makes sense. I mean, it's it's to your benefit and their benefit if if you have the full scope, you know, under your direction. Right. Scope of their of their online presence and and beyond. Yeah, not many people anymore, at least, you know, individually or locally are doing just social media management. It's Right. You know, I think that a lot of us who know how to do that have stepped away from from only handling that part for clients because it is. First of all, it's timely. Mm-hmm. incredibly timely and you know like I said it's it did and I think that you know unless you have a little bit more say or can help in direction in other areas and just to make sure that the whole brand image is secure and being mm-hmm. received well in the public then just doing someone's social media isn't beneficial to to either side especially at that time now you know maybe we're stepping back into that but I know at that time right definitely Right. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. I love all the businesses that I've worked with and always will. And some of my favorites were the restaurants. I, I do miss being around all that delicious food, for one thing. Yes. <laughs> and that's something that's not, not going to change either. You know, you take a picture of like a juicy burger. Or, you know, right. Or, or you've got, you know, my my girl Beth right now from Local Mama Catering making right. duck lasagnas with bechamel sauces, you know, for whatever, for the magazine that Ryan was shooting for. So, yes. yeah. And she's doing, she's going to be part of Restaurant Week too. I yes. saw in Water Street Park, she's going to be set up with sushi i think yes yes she is bringing her sushi back in the park yes yeah you work with beth Mm -hmm. raynock from local mama catering company and you also have some other clients with upcoming events or right right i do actually i do so i have some clients i have coming up so bw nice right so they took a, a little hiatus last year but they're coming back this year with their Red Shoe event, right? Mm -hmm. The Red Shoe and Fashion Show, Luncheon and Fashion Show, Northampton Country Club, September 10th. We do have a lawyer that will be speaking to talk a little bit. You know, BW Nice actually helps benefit the victims of domestic and sexual violence. So, yes. So we raise money to help aid 
and help these victims restart the ones that you know are that are living at or a part of programs from third street alliance in easton Mm-hmm. which is a shelter for women and children. Right. So, you know, we have a lawyer, Lawrence Spinelli, this year, who was held, who will be speaking about PDFAs and restarting and all of that. And, you know, the luncheon usually attracts, you know, all of the Lehigh Valley's business women, which is great. You know, Gail, one of the the, con- the previous Allentown Congresswomen, she'll be there and all of them. Why can't I think of Gail's names right now? She'll be like, Tiff. You know, all of the local business women from the PPN and the Owls and the the air products and the, all the venues of the Lehigh Valley, and they'll be right. there. So that's our keynote speaker this year. We're hoping actually to have Joetta, who you had on your podcast last month yes. or a few, Just, few uh, podcasts ago. Yeah, we interviewed yeah. her, and that was fantastic. She's yes. inspirational, and everything she does is, is amazing. So that's... Uh, Good, yes. So she, you know, we know that she has an, you know, amazing inspiration and inspirational stories. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're hoping it's happened to that and have her for next year, which the red shoe will be in April of 2022. And then, you know, I have, I do have a actually an event coming up with Carrie Holmes, who, you know, everyone knows here locally, Carrie Holmes. So in August, we're going to do something at Queen for a day tribute and women's empowerment conference at Shepherd Hills. We actually were there today talking to Miss Terry about that. What else do we have? Barbie Cologne is going to launch uh, designs. It's going to launch in uh, her fall winter collection at the Centennial in September. Okay. And hoping to work with Suri again. No, I'm working with Suri again for Lehigh Valley Fashion Week. So yeah, definitely have a lot of lot of events coming up, which is good. We're 2020, we're back. Right. And then there's <laughs> and things are really 2021, in- we're back. Right. And things are really increasing now that we're into the second half of the year. And I know, especially in the fall, things are, are going to come back or start up again. So that's awesome. And you are also very active in the Hellertown Lower Saucon Chamber. Uh, you're on yes. board. Yes. Yes, you know, working with Jessica O'Donnell and, and Ricky, you know, they're great and everyone, I, everyone else that's a part of it. And Mayor Heinzelman, everyone knows. <laughs> right. Everyone knows how I feel about Mayor Heinzelman. There's like a special place in my heart for that man. And so, yeah, the chamber, you know, the Hellertown Lower Saucon Chamber is actually, it's such a wonderful, wonderful community mm-hmm. and what they do there. You know, they're, they're always entrenched shall I say, Jessica always has us, you know, involved in something there and ways to help and all of that and bring people together. So it's great. Yeah, it's, it's, it is really a thriving local chamber and it's, it's come a long way in, in terms of that in the last five years or so, I would say, or whenever Jessica started, you know, yes, uh, I think it was maybe six or seven. She is a, well now, and now she has Lauren and the two of them together, I'm telling you, you know, they could solve world problems. If we gave them a, if we gave them the microphone and a podium, they'd be able to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. They always bring the excitement, the energy, and that's awesome. You do the same thing with what you do. And just to close out, let's let our listeners know, you know, how they can connect with you, your website and so on and so forth. Sure. 
Sure, absolutely. So, you know, Tiffany Sondergaard, TSPR and event planning at T Sondergaard, and that's two A's in Sondergaard for social media. Tiffany at TSEventplanning.com is the email and TSEventplanning.com is the website. Very easy breezy, easy to remember. Definitely, if you are looking to plan an event or create brand awareness and you're in the Lehigh Valley or beyond, you definitely want to check out Tiffany's website. There's tons more information on there and reach out. So thank you again. I could easily, you know, talk to you for another hour here, but I know we'll have to do I know, a, a Josh, part two. I was like, oh, okay. I know. I, that's okay. We'll save it for a chamber event. Yes, yes, definitely. But thank you so much. I, it's really been an educational hour. I know I've learned a lot more about PR and, and that's good for me to know, of course. But thank you so much for, for sharing your your experiences with us and your talents with the world. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Josh. I really appreciate it. And Sock and Source. So (laughs) for those of you out there that haven't become a member of Sock and Source yet, definitely look into becoming a member. Support, support. We always say support local, but Sock and Source is local as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. We've been recording No Rain Date since late 2019, and we've produced a fair number of episodes at this point. We would love to hear your feedback about what we're doing. What makes you tune in every week? What ideas do you have for interview guests? Is there something that you think the podcast is missing? Feel free to share your thoughts, whether they're good, bad, or indifferent with us. You can do that by emailing josh at josh at sockandsource.com. No Rain Date is a local news and information podcast, and we focus on the Saucon Valley. However, our guests are from the Lehigh Valley and beyond. So please try and keep that in the back of your mind when you're thinking about ideas for future episodes. Thank you. No Rain Date is an original production of Sock and Source, LLC. Our theme music is provided by This Way to the Egress. For more great music by them, be sure to follow This Way to the Egress on Spotify. Thank you for listening. Every night, he climbs the tower, sees your face on every tower.